Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Basketball is good again time. Working on getting some football coaches time. But uh, that's okay because there's good basketball to talk about time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday night, chilly Monday night here in Knoxville, Tennessee, where it's been uh, some snow flurries for the past 24 hours after we were recently like almost 70 degrees. That's okay. That's East Tennessee this time of year. And we got a lot to talk about today. And uh, going to lean probably a little bit more toward basketball. If you're looking for more football, we got a lot more on Josh Heupel and that higher uh, in the previous podcast, and it'll probably be a little bit more football later in the week, obviously, with signing day and some other things going on. But uh, since we're going to lean toward basketball on this, we're going to go down to the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7, going to bring in the one, the only birthday boy, Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up? You know. Life is as normal at the at the Tennessee beat where you just run around like your hair's on fire for weeks at a time and uh, just hope it ends at some point. I'm going to say this. It's Grant's birthday, so this will probably be the one time of year I say something nice about Grant, and then I'll probably throw up in my mouth, and then we'll move on. But uh, I've been doing this. I've been in this business for, uh, as Ramey likes to remind me, a long time. been doing this for about 21 years or so years now since I was the age of 17 and uh, worked with a lot of people, worked with a lot of really good people, some people who have gone on to do great things, some people who have won some awards and done a lot of really cool work. And uh, I have never in my like professional life had a coworker as reliable as Grant Ramey. This guy, no matter what's going on, you got kids running around, dude's busy, he's, he's working out, he, he's got you know church stuff going on. Everything, no matter what's going on in this dude's life, he's going to do two things every day. He's going to work out, and he's going to be productive at GoVoss 24-7. So happy birthday, man. Hope it's a good one. I hate to cancel out everything you just said, but I was five minutes late to this very podcast, so that reliability just went out the window. That's just, And for anyone who knows Grant, you'll know that that's like um, – that would be the equivalent of Ryan being about a month late. I'm not – I'm nothing if I'm not punctual, so that's, that's, I'm nothing tonight. That's true, and I did send this link five minutes early for Grant to start recording this. Uh, Grant, lots of stuff going on, obviously. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of Tennessee basketball, the Vols. Back up to 11th nationally after a really good week. Uh, put a put a whooping, a whooping on Kansas over the weekend in Knoxville. Wasn't a full house in the Tommy Bowl, obviously, because of COVID, but – Still, an 80-61 to 61 win. Tennessee just gave Kansas all it could handle. Jaden Springer's back. He was named Freshman of the Week this week in the SEC, which I think is important because that shows you that people know enough about Tennessee basketball now that they'll know that even without Jaden Springer putting up huge stats, 
they've seen this team enough to know what it's been like with and without him. So it's huge. And, and I think it says it's a real respect, not just for Jaden Springer, but for the entire Tennessee program that people know enough not to just kind of scribble in whichever freshman scored the most points last week. I think that was really cool of the SEC to note. But we will start with football. Josh Heupel, Tennessee's new football coach, still trying to round out his staff. Uh, and we've been working on this, guys. Um, you know, he, he's got some guys that he's got lined up. Obviously, he's bringing or planning to bring a bulk of the offensive staff uh, that was with him when he was at UCF. Still working out the details on a couple other guys, particularly wide receivers coach. Uh, could someone like uh, Cody Burns be in play there? Or, or could someone like T. Martin maybe somehow stay on the staff? So uh, lots, lots of interesting things there defensively. We will see. Not quite sure exactly what he's going to do on that side of the ball, which is a little bit terrifying because signing day is in two days. But, you know, National Signing Day is basically – um, in in December now. So it's not exactly the same thing. So I, I think it's more important to get those hires right than to get them done now. Uh, Tennessee got the important things in place, which was you got, uh, you got your AD in place, you got your head coach in place, uh, and this head coach is also going to call his plays offensively so you know exactly what kind of system you're going to be running offensively, and you have to score points to win in this era. So Tennessee did the things it absolutely had to do. Uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. Grant, what are your thoughts on all that, sort of where things are with the staff, you know, what's, what it looks like Heupel's doing, all that stuff? I mean, you hired the man for his offense. You hired the man for him to develop quarterbacks, uh, to produce yards and points the way he's produced yards and points as a coach, uh, both as a coordinator, as a position coach, as a head coach. So you have probably most of his offensive staff is done. He's going to bring a lot of his guys from UCF because that's what makes sense, that you don't want to inherit a bunch of coaches. You want to bring the guys that have helped you, that you're familiar with, that, that know your offense, know how, how it needs to be coached, know how you want to run it, know the per- kind of personnel you need, how to develop you know certain players at certain positions, all that stuff. That makes sense. The defensive side, like you said, signing day really, for all intents and purposes, is in December now. There's a February signing period that's National Signing Day. Obviously, that in the past, that was the huge day where everybody huddles around the fax machine and you add your entire class all at once, and it's like a big celebration. It's, that's not what it is anymore. It's in December. It's December, whatever, uh, 19th something, right before Christmas, a week before Christmas, Yeah, and that's kind of it. So, you d- obviously, you didn't move on Jeremy Pruitt until January 18th. I believe that was the date. You had your AD in place uh, a few days later you had your head coach i think the ad and head coaching search combined covered nine days so they moved quickly there i don't know about defensive coordinator i don't know how much of a hurry i would be in at this point because you have to get that higher right you 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 like we said you got the offense in hypo that's why you brought him here now he needs to make you know the best head coaching i mean sorry the best defensive coordinator hire that he can make because so much is going to rely on – they should be able to score points once they get the personnel that they need. It's going to be a matter of who can they stop and how often can they get the stops that they need to have success at this level. And I'll be honest, if, if, it, if this is a deal where – and, you know, this isn't quite as important as it used to be because, you know, normally you know, things would be just manic or hectic right now because you're a couple of days away from National Signing Day, which is the big, huge deal – and unless you had a, you know, obviously you would probably have a couple guys who enrolled early um, in the modern era at least, so it wouldn't be like 100%, but it was still like, you know, 70 80% like on signing day. It was still a huge deal until early signing day came around. So what I'm trying to say is if there's a chance that Tennessee needs to wait until after signing day 
to get the right defensive coordinator because that person needs to stay somewhere through signing day. Uh, I don't necessarily love that for the kids because I don't know if that's no. the, I don't think that's the fairest thing in the world. But if you're Tennessee and, and you're you're playing the long game, you know that that's what you have to think about. And, and if that's you know that honestly, if a, if a coach wants to come here but he wants to wait until after signing day to do it, that's the other school's problem. They have to deal with those players. That would not necessarily be Tennessee's problem, in my opinion. So Tennessee has got to get the best defensive staff that it can get. Now, if that means that you pay a coordinator $2 million a year, $1.5 million a year, if that means you keep Kevin Steele for five hundred k for two years, which I don't think that will happen, but but if you did that, I don't care if this person costs $2 million or 200000 You just have to get it right. And that might be um, – you know, there's a lot of different directions he could go. Heupel's a guy who has been to some some big programs. He, he's been around a couple different leagues. Certainly he played in the NFL for a couple of years. Uh, he was a big-time quarterback. He knows the game. He has connections around the game. And, and I think that y- you might not see – this is just my opinion. You you might not see names that, that you saw a couple of those, you know, big blockbuster assistants that came with Butch Jones and then double or triple that, the amount of big-time assistants who came with Jeremy Pruitt at the beginning at Tennessee. It might not look like that because you look at the offensive staff certainly and that's not how it's gone to this point but I think if you know I get back to this Grant when uh, Dondi Plowman was hiring an athletic director she said I'm hiring an athletic director and then he's going to run the athletic department I'm going to make that hire I'm going to hire a good person I'm going to let them do their job and Danny White said I'm going to go out there and hire a head football coach and when I get that head football coach I'm going to know everything I can know about him and this is obviously a guy he knows a lot about and I'm going to let him run the football program. Now, we'll have oversight. We'll do other things. But he needs to have the people around him that he knows, that he trusts, that he respects. And these are his decisions to make, not mine. So basically, Danny White's saying, I'm not going to meddle, man. I'm going to, pay, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to let you do your job, which I think is what you have to do because you, can't, you don't need to be meddling. You know, If you're Tennessee, you need – as few cooks in the kitchen as possible, you got to streamline this process and you got to get somebody in there who can, you know, kind of build himself or a program around people he trusts. I think you mentioned money. I think at this point in the calendar, I don't think it's going to be about money um, because, you know, what, what we talked about during the coaching search, there was rumors of a five-year contract worth $40 million that that would have been on the table for the right candidate if that existed. Obviously, they didn't have to pay that. For Heupel, he got a six-year, uh, what, $24 million deal. So that's $16 million in your pocket that you could have spent on a head coach and you didn't spend. You're not going to be spending a ton on offensive coordinator because your head coach is your offensive coordinator. He's the, he's the guy that's calling plays. Like we said, you hired him for his offense. That's kind of two things rolled up into one. What's going to be difficult, and I think you're going to have to pay up to make it happen, you might not get the biggest name in the world. But at this point in the calendar, I think it's hard to lure somebody away from – you know, a, a big name from a big name job. Uh, you know, every year there's coaching changes after signing day, uh, after national signing day in February, because every year it gets pointed out how ugly that is to get your class signed and everything done and then make coaching changes that affect obviously uh, those kids and, and the decisions they made. So Heifel's going to have to reach out and find somebody, you know, that that's willing to take on this situation. It's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be a quick fix. Obviously it's going to be a long road here to get things fixed. Um, and, and the defensive coordinator position is going to go a long way towards that. You just have to be willing to pay up to get the right guy uh, in, into this situation, pried away from whatever's going on at his current school 
this late in the calendar, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I understand the argument. Before we go to break here, I understand the argument people are making that you have to do this very, very, very quickly because you're sort of hemorrhaging people in the transfer portal. And Tennessee, I believe, and this isn't all just because of the coaching transition because, of you know, perhaps half this number of guys would have gone anyway. But, you know, 18 guys, I believe, since the start of the season now. Is that correct, Grant, 18 that, are, that have now been to the portal? I don't know the specific number, but it's in that neighborhood. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and even even Brent Samaglia, even the kicker, who was supposedly Mr. VFL, is like, no, nah, I'm going to go kick somewhere else next year. So, you know, the, the, they've got – they perhaps could convince some of these guys to come back. You know, at least maybe one of them has decided to to come back at least for now. So that they're looking at different options. And of course, the the, the sooner that you have a staff in play uh, in place, I should say, the sooner you can kind of let the players know exactly who's going to be in charge of them day to day, who their position coach is, who their coordinator is, obviously who their head coach is, their their strength coaches, their support staff people. You can start building something because right now Heupel's having to do what he said he was going to have to do at the beginning, and he's having to ask these guys to trust him. And right. you know, if you're at Tennessee right now it's probably hard to do that because you can say whatever you want about Jeremy Pruitt. You can say that he, he had to be fired because of the, you know, the NCAA stuff. And, and perhaps, perhaps that's true. I mean, there's probably going to be a, what I've heard is true, some really bad stuff in here. So what I'm saying here is regardless of if you had to make that move or not, you have to understand Jeremy Pruitt was really, really popular with a huge chunk of that football team. And these guys came to play for him. They liked playing for him. You could argue that means they should have played better for him, at least this year. But the fact is, they were really close to him, and they liked him. And now those guys, a lot of them, you can tell, they're like, if he's out, I'm out. And that's that's how it is. Now, a couple other guys, they were kind of making some of those comments earlier, too, hinting that if Pruitt was gone, they're gone, and they've stayed. So Heupel sat them down. He said, people have different definitions of family. My definition is a family stays together when times get tough and he's asking them to trust him, and that might be hard for them to do right now. So I understand people saying that he needs to move quickly on this, um, but I would say when you look at the situation Tennessee's in right now, you just have to get it right. And if that means that no matter what you do, you're like a 5-7 and seven at best team next year because you've waited this long, if that's better for the long run, I think that's, that's not a bad thing. No, I mean, you look back at the Pruitt era, it felt like he didn't get some coordinator hire rights, uh, hires right. He didn't get some assistant coach hires right. The, the amount of turnover that was on his staff, it felt like that was one of the biggest things that, that kept them kind of spinning their wheels and, and unable to make a ton of progress and, and kind of win the games they want to won, uh, win. With Heupel, like we said, you got your offense, you got the guy that's going to develop your quarterback. That's important. Now the biggest thing is the defensive coordinator. And yeah, you want to kind of work quickly because you're trying to manage a roster and you're trying to get this show on the road a little bit working towards 2021 but at the same time this is an extremely important hire and you got to get the right guy the portal is what it is the number of players that are there the talent level that's there from Tennessee it's it's just you know it's 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 hard to imagine it gets much worse in the portal knock on wood if you're a Tennessee fan because that just seems to happen all the time but the the talent that's in there now it's going to be hard to get any of it out and a lot of it's already gone so that's just kind of that's the situation. One of the there was an ESPN Plus ranking floating around of returning, I think it was returning experience on 127 FBS rosters, and out of that 127, Tennessee was 117. I mean, that's just kind of what you're working on. That's that's given what's in the portal, I, I assume, uh, and what's what's not coming back on this roster from 20 to 2021. 20, um, 
you got to get your defensive coordinator higher right because so much of your future relies on getting that right. You don't want to be turning over a defensive coordinator every year, every other year because you didn't get this higher right. You got to get it right from the start. Uh, and start building towards that because this is going to be a, re- a rebuilding phase that takes a minute. Yeah, I would say that there are there are outliers to that rule because you know you look at what Saban does at Alabama, and that's <laughs> just that that's an outlier because they they get new coordinators and completely new staffs every freaking year, and they're still really good. You look at Arkansas State uh, throughout its history. Um, you know, I think there was one year where Arkansas State, and I, I, I might be exaggerating. I hope I'm not. I think it was like they had five coaches in five years, but they still won 10 games every year or something like that. It was insane, something that I don't think can be duplicated. It was just crazy. So, it, it, And that's obviously not a Power 5 conference, but they're obviously they're, they're not a Power 5 conference, so they're not playing a lot right. of Power 5s. They're in their element, just like Tennessee is in its element and UCLA would be in its element, et cetera. So I, I think the sweet spot usually is, you know, maybe a different coordinator every few years and maybe one – position coach turnover on each side of the ball per year that gives you a little bit of new blood um, but it, it doesn't completely tip over you know the apple cart so right that, there, there's a big difference think. between this school's coming to hire my coordinator because he's had so much success and this isn't working out we're getting rid of you and we're going to go find somebody else to, to run this defense because this hires not working out as you know the turnover happens at these other programs where there's you know better foundation better continuity over the years better whatever that's not been the case at Tennessee. It's been a revolving door of head coaches. It's been a revolving door of um, quarterbacks, revolving door of, you know, staff members, coordinators, you name it, over the past how many years now that Tennessee's been trying to get this right. So at some point you're going to have to get a higher right, establish some, some continuity over multiple seasons, and hopefully you can build something from there. You know, uh, what you'd like to build is something like what Tennessee basketball has built after a couple of rough years of the Rick Barnes era. That would be your transition here because we're going to go take a quick break. Uh, We're going to pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, come back, and then we're going to talk Tennessee basketball, which obviously uh, is a a much more enjoyable topic this week uh, than it would have been, let's say, seven days ago. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Go Vols 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office down there in Maryville, uh, talking a little Tennessee football and basketball, uh, hit on both sports, mostly football. First segment, going to go back a little bit more, talking about some Tennessee basketball here. But before we do that, um, I want to throw this out really quickly, guys. Please take a minute out of your time and go out there and just Click the subscribe button on this podcast. Wherever in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Boss 24-7 podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world you can go to those apps and you can get this podcast. We, we beam this out everywhere. Uh, but if you go in there and subscribe and you rate and review this podcast, that will help us out a lot. I've been looking at these numbers again. The, the, the February or January numbers just came out. And they looked really good. Um, you know, we didn't have a, as many episodes because there was a lot of uncertainty and we didn't want to drop a podcast. And then 30 minutes later, Tennessee hires a new coach or athletic director. So we, we had maybe one or two fewer than we, we would normally have in a month, but we still had great, uh, great numbers. And, and so I'm really appreciative of everybody. But you can help us do that more by rating and reviewing this podcast and dropping comments there. And really quickly on comments, what do I mean by that? I was making a decision, or we've made decisions in the past few weeks. We haven't had quite as many interviews on here. We, we've done that at times. I can't get a feeling sometimes for, for you know, do y'all, do more people like the interviews or the, do, do they think they can get those everywhere else and they just want us to hear us talk because that's what's unique. Uh, so what I want to know in some cases is, do y'all want to hear those interviews? Do you want to hear from the Rick Barneses and, and Josh Heupels and Danny Whites and, and those people, uh, or would you just rather you know hear us talk about them? Those are the sorts of questions uh, and sorts of comments that you can put down there. We'd love a five-star review, um, but you know, go with your gut. Go with your heart. Tell us what you think and tell us what you like. Tell us what you think we can do better, and we will be happy to keep on doing this. Grant, Tennessee basketball um, – Pretty good week, you know. Uh, you could say that that win over Mississippi State was not a beautiful game. It was quite an ugly game. But uh, Tennessee had lost a couple games in a row, was struggling, was on the back foot, um, and really needed to come out and win. Rick Barnes said before that game, find any way you can to win. Uh, and Tennessee found a way, an ugly way, but it found a way to win. And sometimes, you know, I wrote in the column after that, sometimes you just have to win and that will, that will get things sorted, and then you will start playing better basketball once you gut out that win. And lo and behold, Tennessee goes out there Saturday, the one time of year I'll probably be right, and just beat the brakes off of Kansas. 80-61, uh, to 61, uh, one of Tennessee's best performances of the season, certainly. Um, and this is not a traditional Kansas team, not probably a Final Four team, I wouldn't imagine, but still a good team, still a team with a high Ken Palm rating, still a team that's beaten a couple of top ten teams. A good, good day for Tennessee, and I, I think a, a pretty good week overall. Yeah, it's a Kansas team that it seems like a lot of analysts going into that game at least still had them around the top 10-ish, top 15, uh, despite having lost whatever they had lost, four or five going into that game, uh, or three or four, whatever it was. I think four or five with that loss. But, I mean, yeah. it, it helps that Kansas missed as many shots as it missed. It's been a while since Tennessee had an opponent. Uh, shoot the balls poorly as Kansas did. I think in the first half, their guards started 0 for 10, and their guards in the entire first half only went 3 for 17 from the floor. And for whatever reason, Tennessee did a good job rebounding, but Kansas also did not seem interested in rebounding basketball at all. I wonder, uh, I I wonder what, what the deal there. was there with the scouting report. That's just weird. I don't know, but take take credit Tennessee for taking advantage of that. On Tennessee's side, controlling you know what they control, Fulkerson was active from the start. Eve Pond stayed aggressive on the offensive end the way he has been. 
Um, Josiah James did a little bit of everything like he's been known to do. Uh, I think he had 11 rebounds, team high in rebounding, their first double-digit rebounder since like the second game of the season. Coming, coming off the bench to do it too. First time he's been off the bench all year. Right, right. You 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 got Jaden Springer to be Jaden Springer. That kid is so special. I mean, he it, it looks kind of effortless the way he does it, but the number of stuff he can do on the floor, it's insane. Um, when I mean, he got doubled in the post there. I guess that was in the first half for whatever reason. Kansas is doubling six foot, you know, nothing. Jaden Springer on the block, and he just looks over his shoulder and throws a little lob. Uh, kind of over his head to Fulkerson who's cutting backside and, and it's a you know it's a crazy play but he makes it look so easy and, and, and if Fulky if Fulky had just hung on the rim for a second that would have looked so much cooler but he did like the <laughs> he, he and Pons both do this Fulky to ruin it. They're, they're terrified of getting of hanging on the rim a little bit and getting getting a technical uh, because Barnes would, would destroy them but it's, it makes some of their dunks look less cool like guys you can hang on the rim for just a second you just can't pull up on it they're, they're just model citizens. But when Fulkerson is active the way he was, when Pons is aggressive the way he was, when, when Josiah does a little bit of everything the way he did, it unlocks so many other guys on the floor. Jaden, Keon, Victor Bailey Jr. It had been a while since he had a game like he had. Uh, Santiago Viscovi. It takes so much pressure off all these other guys, and they execute at such a higher level offensively. If Kansas hit shots and rebounded, it still would have been tough to beat Tennessee Saturday night because of how well Tennessee played offensively, defensively, their defense, uh, the perimeter defense. I mean, they had a really big role in Kansas missing all those shots, those Kansas guards missing all those shots because of how well they played perimeter defense, how suffocating they and, were. And, so, and I think I think Kansas made six of its final eight shots because Eve Ponce, you know, rolled an ankle or something and then tweaked right, and left right. and didn't play the final nine minutes. And they hit six of their final eight, but they still had a horrible percentage. Right, and I mean, it was a 26-point game at one point. So whatever Kansas did, you could credit Tennessee for taking advantage. And Tennessee really needed that kind of performance against that kind of opponent, even if it's not your typical Kansas team right now, Kansas program. It's still Kansas on the jersey. It's a team that's beat you twice in frustrating ways the last two seasons. It's a team you needed to beat, and they beat them. And now you go on the road at Ole Miss Tuesday. You go to Kentucky Saturday. Obviously, everybody knows what that is, Rupp Arena, that rivalry, what it's been like with Barnes and Calipari the last – you know, five seasons. So they needed that kind of springboard after kind of, you know, they did enough against Mississippi state, but it wasn't, you know, a pretty win is, is better than a, sorry, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. And then they did everything really well Saturday night. So see how that carries over. That can be some kind of springboard that they need. Yeah, I get why Kansas may not have wanted to completely crash the boards because Tennessee's not a great rebounding team, but Tennessee, uh, you, you really want to get down and get fast break points because, you know, you don't want to try to score against their half-court defense when that defense gets set. So I can understand if you're Kansas, you know, you want to take a couple, two, three guys and leak out and try to get a break, you know, you know, and, and try to score on Tennessee before you get – before you get – they get set. I understand that. But you can't do that if no one goes to the glass. Someone has to get the rebound right. to then start the fast break. And Bill Self has won a billion basketball games. He and Rick Barnes are kind of right there together around like 20th, 19th all time in terms of wins. Like they're, they're all – they're right there. And it's just – I don't – whatever they were doing, it wasn't working. And obviously when you, when you miss shots, it makes your game plan look bad. But man, I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of that was Tennessee playing well. Tennessee probably would have won regardless, but I, I don't – you know, I don't know what Kansas was doing. Maybe it was the quick turnaround. They just couldn't get the scouting report right. Um, but you would think that they had an assistant looking at Tennessee well before that. So I, I don't, I, I can't figure that out. And pe people in Lawrence are furious, and I, I sort of understand why. 
but that's their problem, not Tennessee's. Tennessee was up by 26, um, probably could have won by 30 if it had kept on the accelerator. So just just a, a good, good day for Tennessee. And, Grant, before we talk about this week in particular, you hinted at this a little bit. But why is it, are, is everything just so different when Springer's on the floor? Is You know, part of it's got to be somewhat of a coincidence. But I think most of it is the fact that he does things that are kind of unique on both sides of the floor, specifically offensively, his ability to create shots for himself, for others, um, to kind of play guard like a forward. He, he can do a lot of things in a six-foot-four body. And, and I just wonder, you know, and Barnes has said this before, he, he understands why the team is so much better when Springer's not out there, but it, the fact is it needs to be better when he's not out there. But how does a guy who averages, what, 10-4-4, whatever it is, 10-4-3, something like that, how does he make so much of a difference? I mean, if you leave him open at three, he can make that shot. Uh, if you let him get to the middle of the paint, he can make that shot. If you let him get to the rim, it doesn't matter how many bodies are around him or how much contact he takes, he can finish. I mean, he's not going to finish every time, obviously, but his ability to finish through contact is crazy. And, and Off of that, I mean, he's so aggressive. He's so confident in his own play. Whenever he drives, so many other players, you can tell when Santi drives, when Fulkerson drives, when when Eve drives, if they're in trouble, you can see it, and you can you can see it's going to be really hard for them to get out of it. When Jaden drives, and when he gets in trouble, that's when he just kind of relaxes and starts creating. He finds Fulkerson, uh, he draws a defender and finds Fulkerson on the baseline. He he sees Olivier Kemal, uh baseline for that dunk against Mississippi State the other night. There's so many different ways he can create once he gets to the spot on the floor that he needs to get to, and he knows he needs to get there. He knows where he plays the game best, and he gets there, and he operates that way. His turnover numbers have been high, and he's going to have to cut those down eventually. But the way he not only creates for himself and attacks for himself, but the way he also creates for his teammates and the number of different ways he creates, the number of different passes like that lob we talked about to Fulkerson. Uh, I mean, that's just a special player making a special play. I don't know if anybody else – on the floor can make that play in that moment. And, and there's been a few of those. I mean, you go back to the A&M a few weeks ago, the passes he made in that game, um, the dunks, the, the just kind of handoff dunks that, that happened because of him driving, drawing defenders and either finishing himself or creating something for somebody else. I mean, the way he does that, it's a completely different team when he's not out there because it feels like the offense stalls and they don't have those possessions. Yeah. And it's, you know, he, he just plays – there's just a calmness about his game that I think helps everyone, like you said. And, and, and I think it also – it just allows everybody else to kind of do their job and not have to worry about something they have to do on top of that. It just seems right. like the, the puzzle sort of fits when he's out there. And the puzzle just doesn't fit as well when he's not out there. And I think there – if Keon Johnson would become the player that he should become, uh, it wouldn't matter. But, but Keon Johnson is still kind of working and developing into becoming that player. That's going to be a process. Uh, the upside's still just through the roof. But, you know, there are just some things that, that, that Springer does better. And I think he's, he, when he's out there, he can let Keon Johnson be Keon Johnson. Eve Pons can be Eve Pons. You know, Fulkerson can be Fulkerson. It just helps everything. Vescovi, there's a lot less pressure on him, certainly, uh, when Springer's out there. Uh, and so it, it just kind of changes everything. And, it, you know, it also changes things for guys like V.J. Bailey, who, you know, I made a comment during the game or something that he had played like 18 minutes and not scored a point, not taken a shot. And then he ends up getting, what, like 13, 11 points, something like that, just boom, 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 boom. 
because he did what Rick Barnes wanted him to do, which was just kind of grow into the game. And you can do that a little bit easier when Jaden Springer's out there. So just a guy who helps everything. Grant, there, there's a there's a Seinfeld episode. I don't know what episode it is or what scene it is, and they're all four going to go do something. But then Jerry can't go, so it's just going to be Elaine, Kramer, and George, and they don't go do it because if they don't have Jerry, what's the point? I mean, he's the he's the straw that stirs the drink. If, if this team doesn't have Jaden Springer, for whatever reason, all the reasons we just discussed, it just doesn't work. And I think some of that is he's not – you know crazy exciting before he makes a play he almost kind of lulls you to sleep I mean he's not the he's not the biggest flashiest guy on the floor but you say wow a lot more after he makes a play before you know before the lead in the play you don't really see it coming when he makes some of his best plays I think that he works that to his advantage yeah because Keon Johnson and Eve Ponds like their twitchiness can be seen from outer space right right it's you know not a, it's not an and one mixtape or anything yeah it just but then he does something but then he you also see him rise up and finish and you're like whoa okay yeah. You, know, you know who you know who that reminds me a little bit of is Grant Williams, who right. who would go out there and sort of lull you, and then he would just kind of just yam on somebody, and you would go, oh, okay, you can do that too. I didn't know he that. Would score, he would he would score thirty as a sophomore, and you're like, wait, how did this guy just drop thirty on us? Yeah, and and they're different positions, obviously, but they're same kind of. They don't just they don't just wow you, you know, when you're just watching tape at first, and then you go, oh, 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 wow, 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 they do they right. do that. So we'll right. have, we'll have plenty of time to discuss Ken, uh, Kentucky later in the week. Obviously, a big game. We'll see uh, everything going on with the UK program with COVID. See how everything goes there. Looks like things should be okay, but but you never really know. Um, but this Ole Miss team, you know, and Tennessee's had mixed results in that building. I've seen Tennessee play really well and really poorly there. And this Ole Miss team uh, under Kermit Davis, former MTSU coach, um, is a really, really good basketball coach. Now, I've always been a big believer in this guy. This Ole Miss team has been tough to, to kind of figure out because overall it's three and six in the league, I think eight and eight overall. Um, but you look at a couple of those games in the league, beat a pretty good Mississippi State team by 18 points. Um, in Starkville. In Starkville. Just went there and just whooped them. Went there uh, and beat Texas a by 11 points. Okay, nothing great there. Um, but also has a win over Auburn on his resume. And that was obviously – Auburn has become a different team, certainly. Um, you know, with the addition of the freshmen there, they, they, they've, they've become a different team. But, um, you know, that's still something that kind of gets your attention. Uh, played Florida really tough down there in Gainesville. Um, but then also, like, loses to Arkansas – by 15 and then loses at Georgia by 10 and that Georgia team has really been struggling so I can't really figure out I can't figure out this Ole Miss team really no and I think you could say the same for Tennessee if I mean if you go up and down their box scores they'll shoot it really well one night like they did against Kansas Saturday night and they'll go three for 19 uh, from the three-point line like they did against Mississippi State Tuesday night you got to figure out kind of a little bit more consistency as you turn the, the calendar to February and, and start looking ahead to March, I mean, you're going to have to find something. I think that applies both to Ole Miss and to Tennessee. Obviously, Tennessee's had a different amount of success. Uh, they're, they're on a different trajectory than this Ole Miss team is right now. But at the same time, this Tennessee team you know, went to Florida and you know had its worst performance of the season, came home against Missouri and hit shots but couldn't get any stops defensively, couldn't stop those two Missouri guards. Uh, so it's been a mixed bag for Tennessee, and at some point they're going to have to establish – a little bit of you know what you're going to get night in and night out. And this is a really good opportunity to do it because you're going on the road, you're going against an old Miss team that's been hard to figure out too, and you need to just put a really good performance together to get some kind of semblance of normalcy kind of back and, and know what to expect from this team. And obviously 
not only are you trying to go to Ole Miss and get a win, you're trying to carry this momentum through Ole Miss into Kentucky, uh, an opponent that's you know had historic struggles this season and who you've had a lot of success against the last five years under Rick Barnes. You're trying to carry that momentum to Rupp Saturday night. Yeah, Kentucky still has that kind of talent where you just don't want to be there when it gets right. Because at some point, you know, and, and maybe Cal's just lost his team entirely, but I, I know they've had a ton of issues, but there's still some talent on that team. We can I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Tennessee and Kentucky had four and three SEC records at the same time a couple of weeks ago. So don't be fooled by their, their five and ten record. They've got some bad losses, but, you know, they, they beat a pretty good LSU team pretty handily uh, a couple of weeks ago and you think about Ole Miss normally under Davis they've they've kind of they they put the ball in the bucket pretty pretty well a lot of times since he's been there um, but right now they're ranked 123rd nationally in adjusted offensive efficiency they are 23rd nationally though in adjusted defensive efficiency so they're pretty good on that side of the court um, and, and they play they're they're 307th nationally in in tempo and that that's that's pretty darn low uh, but, you know, Tennessee is ranked 305th or something like that in, in adjusted offensive tempo, and Tennessee still has a, you know, a decent offense, especially when Springer's out there. So uh, it's it's a – I think the Ole Miss-Ken Palm rating right now is 66th. So, you know, it, it's a team that Tennessee needs to go there and beat. But it's still just a weird team. There's some weird teams in this league that I can't quite figure out yet. Uh, some teams I'm like, okay, yeah, you're good. Some teams I'm like, no, you're, 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 you're just definitely not good. And then there's a couple of teams Tennessee is playing this week that I just can't get a get a handle on yet. Obviously Kentucky, which we'll talk about later in the week, um, but specifically first Ole Miss. I, I just can't, you know. I've watched them a couple times and I've seen them play really well. I've seen them look awful, and you know I can't I can't quite figure that out. But we shall see. There's plenty to discuss. We'll obviously later in the week we'll we'll hit up that that Ole Miss game. We'll talk about that. Uh, on this podcast, we'll we'll preview a little bit of Kentucky. We'll obviously have plenty to discuss there. More football stuff too coming up later in the week. But uh, until then, we have got to run. So Grant, I know you got to go, buddy. I'm gonna let you step out, and uh, we'll wrap this thing up. See you guys. And as promised, we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate it. We always do. I can't say that enough. I just really, really appreciative of everything y'all do being here, listening to us, and uh, helping us grow this thing every week. It's been awesome. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can also, if you just want Tennessee news, uh, nothing else. and uh, None of the other guys with their baby picks, none of me with my uh, corgi picks and talking cubs and everything. If you just want balls all the time, you can go get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to Facebook. we got a Facebook page there, uh, a really big Facebook page at facebook.com slash govals247. Um, that's updated pretty much on the hour, every hour, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there, as always. But if you want the best, just the most delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water, just right from the tap, go get that at govals247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, where Tennessee's had four guys named preseason All-American this year. Tony Vitello and those guys doing big things. We'll talk about them on some podcasts here uh, in the coming weeks. Lady Vols stuff with Maria Cornelius. Uh, They've had a couple big games. They had a triple-double over the weekend. How about that? A triple-double. All kinds uh, of good stuff. And and Maria's just, you know, been covering Lady Vols forever. Does a great job. Written a couple books. All kinds. We have got five heavy hitters on this staff, guys. And GoVols247.com right now, 60% off of an annual subscription from now until signing day. Go take advantage of that because the full price is normally just, you know, 
like less than one mediocre lunch per month. But right now you can get 60% off of that for an annual subscription. That is a really, really, really good rate. So you should go take advantage of that. Get locked in now. And if you're a full paying member for us, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is going to become Paramount Plus here just shortly uh, in a few weeks. But that's going to be even more. You're not getting less. You're getting more. And you will get a subscription to CBS All Access slash Paramount Plus in perpetuity as long as you are a full paying member with us. That's everything from the CBS catalog, commercial free, tons Tons of shows. Every show ever made. Commercial free. Tons of stuff. New movies. Every single month. Rolling in and out all the time. My wife and I watch all kinds of them on there. Uh, you got stuff from, you got live sports, SEC sports, Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, PGA Tour, where you can talk about Patrick Reed and whether he's cheating or not. You can talk about, you know, you wait for Champions League, you wait for Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff, all kinds of stuff on there. Plus stuff from Comedy Central and, um, BET, MTV, Nickelodeon, and Smithsonian. All of that for the low, low price of nothing. That's a $100 plus annual value that we're going to put in your pocket for nothing. So go take advantage of that. If nothing else, guys, if there's no major breaking news, you should hear from us by Thursday at the latest, maybe even Wednesday night. Um, but we'll see tons of stuff, football, basketball, all kinds of stuff to discuss, and we will do that. Until then, wash your freaking hands. Be freaking nice to each other. Wear your freaking masks. We'll get through this. We'll see you all soon. Be good. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.